Hello listeners and welcome back to episode five of Conversations from Isolation. Today I'm really excited to introduce the lovely Lydia Hayward. Lydia is a 21-year-old eventer. Lydia represents Jamaica competitively and produces her own and others' horses. Lydia also spends time mentoring minority riders and focusing on creating opportunities, increasing diversity and inclusion. So hello Lydia. Hello Danielle, thanks so much for spending some time speaking to me today. Thank you so much. Okay, so firstly, let's talk briefly about how you are dealing with coronavirus and staying at home. As someone producing horses, which isn't always the safest, how are you managing? Are you worried that this might affect any education progress due to not being able to get the horses out to events? I guess you can still introduce new experiences to them at home, you just have to get a bit more creative maybe? Absolutely. My horses are five years old, five years old and 30 years old so I'm making a different regimes now to what we had planned before everybody had their goals the 2020 yeah and I, I appreciate they've all been turned upside down but these horses they should have a nice long competition life and I believe that, that this break will enable enable that to happen in quite a few cases and we're going to have an easier summer bring back the long raining that, that I started you know when I was in the breaking process yeah get, get to know each other on, on another level which will really help in our riding in the years to come these horses that I have now aren't for sale they're my own so I I think that we'll have this time to just grow a bond and, and let them grow into their skeleton their hive and quite quite large horses so they, they could do with the time to mature I'm not too worried yet. maybe at the end of this year I, I might be I'm a little more worried if things changed but... yeah it depends how long it does go on for okay so uh, tell us about your own riding journey so how it began and the competition horses that you own or ride at the moment? I started riding at a local riding school. I really enjoyed that and my mum also had a passion for horses when she had both Tony Club but just not having the support systems to, to go to affiliated level like I do. I did take the opportunity to start getting competitive in the first 12 months I believe of my riding and mum did take the plunge and, and get us a pony. It was a great distraction from school and things that it kind of took over. The po- horse riding took over instantly. I wouldn't show jumping first. I was competing at national level as a junior. That was my goal and passion and then Billy came into our lives. Billy is my eventer that's 13 and he started my eventing journey. Coming to me as a three-year-old and just showing that he was a more natural eventer than show jumper, which at the time changed my discipline. Okay, so did that shine a light on eventing for you? Definitely. It, it made me try and embrace the dressage because I knew I loved cross country. I was based on a livery yard that had a fantastic course, still open now, called Deer Park Cross Country in Gloucestershire. And I oh, amazing! Yeah, they really taught me right from right from the grassroots how to ride confidently across great terrain. There's a, a lot of acreage on offer at Deer Park. We had some really fun summers there. Learning to love the dressage wasn't quite so fun, but I do really love it now. <laughs> I think that's the one that everyone wants to get out the way and then get to the jumping flipped on his head for me a bit now though because you know, the show jumping uh warm-up is a little more nerve-wracking than the dressage warm-up oh really yeah yeah definitely especially if you've if you've got to smash the dressage with pressure do you think that show jumping is the one then out of the three that you find the most nerve-wracking when you event not nerve-wracking in terms of the ride in terms of points and 
everything else. Yes, I'd probably say so by a by a very small margin. Yeah, and and the way that it can affect the scoreboard. I've been lucky enough to have horses that thrive cross country. I too thrive cross country. So even even on a level on a nerves level, <laughs> show jumping probably pips cross country to the post. I'm quite cool and confident. definitely so you started in a riding school you said and then you got your first pony my first pony yeah she she was a welsh cob she didn't jump a lot at all so i I went from my bomb proof welsh first pony to quite a highly strung show jumping pony who was 14 hands and had a career in pony club jumping with a lot of potential for more i wasn't quite the rider to fulfill that (laughs) at first i remember hacking up the hill trying to keep both ankles away from his sides because he was really uh, fizzy and that was quite a shock but I like a challenge have to just uh, get a hold of your nerves and get on with it really it's so important isn't it because if you do stick to the same types of horses all the time it doesn't improve your riding you you have to do those scary bits definitely and it, it's okay to feel fear yeah and the the great success that you can you can feel after getting through a scary moment will we'll then be with you next time you feel that little bit of fear so yeah it's it's an educational cycle getting scared on the horse I think you've just got to go through it that that taught me that lesson a hundred percent and I started producing horses and it was a good job I had that in my toolbox because we all know that they can be testing when you're producing these young horses yeah so how did you come to get your three-year-old then? So I I bought him directly from the Bonman stud. And there in Ireland, I bought a lot of horses from Ireland. And it's taught me so much. Joanne Holder helped me get involved in 2012. And together we started Irish Sport Horse Agent, which was based at Deer Park Cross Country Course. We had, a, we had a lovely couple of summers going to auctions and things like that for clients. I have a lot to thank my riding and bravery for. Billy was one of the horses to pass through the yard. He decided he was too good to sell. Even though I was I was 13 or 14, my mother thought he was, again, probably too highly strung because of the amount of time he spent on two legs at the beginning. But it didn't bother me at that point because I, I had those, those skills. So I had to just calm my mother's fears and say that the jump and the, the bravery of this horse has got cross-country is is worth worth keeping him. That's the thing, isn't it? Sometimes with the potential that a horse has, they have to come with a little bit of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mum had to listen to, to Joanne Holder on that one and just uh, believe that he he would be the horse that, that she believed that he was going to be. And these are the light now. I mean, he's seen me produce a lot of young horses through the yard. He'll watch me riding other horses, almost like I'm portraying him. Yeah, I was going to say, is there, is there a jealousy thing going on? <laughs> It happens a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we had that this morning. Tell us a bit about the horses that you have now. Well, I have a five-year-old called Flynn. He is an Irish sports horse. He's owned by myself and my mother. He's about 17 hands now. He was going to be a five-year-old champs. Sadly, that won't be the case this time, but he did a lot of hunting this year, so he will be enjoying the break over Easter, um, just to just to the immature really in the field alongside Mink who's also five and she's going to stay in a little bit of work over this 
time because she had a leisurely winter. She had a leisurely winter because of a, she picked up a splint just before qualifying the four-year-old championship, which was really sad. But it's it's just a, a sign that she needed time to rest and grow, which she certainly has, and she's looking cracking. She's feeling fantastic too. Yeah, it's another horse. I'm sad not to be aiming at the five-year-olds this year, but to to have these horses ready for me 2021 is an equally exciting prospect so do you own mink as well or is she an owners that you ride she's owned purely by me you know they they keep me busy alongside billy who's also my hear a lot more about in in the episode he's 13 years old and started my career but you're still competing him i am yeah aiming for kind of two or three stars see what happens oh exciting okay yeah we'll definitely talk about about that a bit more i really want to find out more about your journey to representing Jamaica so what has been the process to making that possible? I made myself known to the Federation as soon as I had that urge to ride for Jamaica which came after watching Samantha Albert on the Olympics in 2012 at Greenwich. We were lucky enough to go on cross-country day. Thank you mum for those tickets yeah it was it was a, an incredible day incredible. That, that got me thinking, and I was still show jumping at the time, so it probably contributed to my change to eventing a little. I was having conversations back and forth for nearly two years with the Jamaican Equestrian Federation whilst my citizenship and passport was getting done. Um, that time was a stressful time because I, I don't have... A close relationship with my Jamaican side of my family, and, and that's that's from a young age. And I was needing to get a lot of documentation, so it was it was a difficult journey. But we made it. Yeah. So did you have to spend a lot of time out there? I've made two adult trips to Jamaica, but there there were some very very influential people that helped me along the way. Paula and Tony from London introduced me to the High Commissioner. Um, Jamaica in London, who took me under his wing and ensured that I was able to get the citizenship I rightfully deserve. And these people aren't equestrian people. They're just generous, well-connected individuals who are excited by my journey. So I'm really grateful for their support through that. And it means that more people are aware of the sport of eventing. I'm forever explaining our sport, which is great. I, I, I love to know that more people are aware of it, but it just makes me aware of how little people are aware of it. I know, because when you're in it, you think it's huge and we can't imagine our lives not being surrounded by horses and, you know, the equestrian world every day. But I actually got it as well when I was starting the brand and a few um, fashion connections kind of said, oh, it's very, very niche and, you know, isn't that kind of just part of your hobby? And it just blew me away how people have no idea of the scale of the industry and of the sport. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, for some people, you know, horses, it's it's just not part of their daily life. And yeah, I think because it is so much for us, we see it as our whole world, don't we? I do believe that the, the worldwide economic impact of Equestrian is much larger than even equestrians realise. $120 billion impact on the US in, in one year last year. So I'm, I am encouraging the, the Caribbean islands to, to increase their involvement in equestrian sport, specialise and increase tourism. There, there's so much that we can from having 
a higher influence in equestrian sport. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. So obviously the process was stressful. How long did it take in all then to get that all kind of sorted before you could start competing? My passport for Jamaica arrived January 2018 and that was about 18 months after the start of the process. I was able to months competing for Jamaica straight away that season, which was really special. And what's even more special is our development officer, Mrs. Delissa, was able to visit South of England. So to have those extra extra cheerleaders and where we were able to meet our members of our federation for the first time, that, that was a really incredible day. Sadly, cancelled due to rain, the whole competition, but it was a very special day indeed. I'm looking forward to hopefully a third season competing for Jamaica this year, if we can squeeze one in after Corona. Well, fingers crossed. It's it's uh it's so hard to tell, isn't it? What's going to happen? My fear is the, the scale of the operation, the number of fence judges and organisers, and and the fear aspect. Once COVID nineteen pandemic's over, there will be left with a lot of fear about going in to the big wide world and, and seeing lots of different people. And I know that our fence judges sometimes are over sixty, and and that can be that can be a concern. Yeah, definitely. And and this is the thing, it's like with the other events as well, it's the scale of the organisation and everything that's prepped months before, you know, how's that going to affect it in the, in the long run for the whole year, really? But we just have to wait and see, don't we? I know being one of the getting, getting them going as soon as the green light comes. So uh... I actually think... It, it could go the opposite way. I think a lot of us are going to be hopefully a boost of people attending events and everything else, because although the, the events are, are busy anyway, um, I do feel like everyone's going to want to get out and appreciate the sport more and um, be around people and feel that sense of, um, you know, team and, and competition and everything else. And yeah, that lovely feeling of being around people that love what you love. So how did you begin producing other people's horses for them? Did that happen quite naturally when you were progressing with your own and um, maybe other people kind of approached you or did you go out and make that happen? Yes, I, I was approached, but that wasn't because I was I was pushing my business upon people. I'm quite a pers- personable young rider uh, when I was in my teens and People saw the results I was having with my own horses and day to day, just being on the same livery yard and asked me to to iron out some problems on theirs or take theirs to competitions or can you break in this pony for me? And I, I didn't charge a fee and things like that. I, I just wanted to increase the tools in my box. So I was able to get started with producing like that. Quite naturally. I, I imagined it would be that way. Yes, yeah, so I think I think people do sometimes feel a bit ashamed asking for help, but it, it's it's important that we realise that riders have different skills, different strengths, and they can help get you past a certain chapter if you're having some difficulty. You're right. I mean, however experienced you are, there's always something to learn, isn't there? And um I always think that no one should be um, embarrassed to ask for help. And especially in terms of obviously confidence is really important in riding. And, you know, if you can kind of get support and help before losing that, because that's something very hard to gain back, you're going to feel a lot better than feeling like you can't ask anyone for help. And then um, finding that, you know, you've set yourself way further back than you would have. I'm, I'm certainly missing my my lessons, you know, dressage and show jumping lessons. So. I think everybody enjoys the coaching. It's 
just this a different side of it if you feel a, an element of failure before you ask for that help but that shouldn't shouldn't come to mind you know the unpredictable beast horses and anyone successful has to deal with failure over and over again <laughs> it's the only way you get anywhere yeah well thanks for reminding me yeah it's hard it's hard to take sometimes isn't it but yeah we must remember it's not that you know successful people have never failed it's that they've always got back up and got back on with it okay so what do you think are the positives that riders gain from bringing their own horses on a very strong bond because i've heard that harry mead describe cross-country going to war apologies if i've got the wrong male event rider but it can be like going to war you cross country you come across things you need to think so quick and just have faith and installing faith in the combination and, and the horse at a, at a young age is is very valuable I will now only buy young horses and unless I win the lottery and can afford a nice five-star event so, but that's the reason because I, I think you really reap the rewards from, from starting from scratch all ties in doesn't it because it goes back to um I always think about how important um, working with horses is for us in the world away from horses and just instilling that kind of confidence and how to control situations and stay calm and everything like that how that translates into everyday life away from horses is so amazing for us as as humans as well in terms of uh, working out yeah situations and what people are thinking and how to work around it if that it makes any sense you're correct and I've spoken with a couple of psychologists in the equestrian world and I've been able to translate that into normal life um with breathing techniques and staying calm keeping anger out of your head so yeah it definitely crosses over into life skills um ebony horse club have and helping their young riders with life skills in equestrian world and and also transferable into the working world uh, I know you were keen to find out more about Ebony Horse Club yeah that that moves on really nicely because um yeah I wanted to ask you about your involvement could you could you tell the listeners a bit about what the club is and um why it's important and how you got involved Ebony Horse Club is based in Brixton and they help their riders get involved with the equestrian world during their stay at Ebony Horse Club and after in a careers too. It gives a social aspect that some of us equestrians might take for granted, for that family feel on the yard, a happy space that we're able to go to if we're having a pants day, um, which I think is really, really important because um, we all know what alternatives are available in London to uh, teenagers who are sometimes not so positive. Um, so it does take children off the streets and also raising visibility for underrepresented communities in the horse world. You know, it's just the start. You know, they've been going for 20 years now and they've had riders race at, at Ascot a couple of times and we had it. A winner at Goodwood and the charity race. So it was Kalija last year, and, and that's that's just doing great things for for underrepresented communities in the horse world. Have you had any riders that you've then helped get into equestrian jobs? Has there been anyone that's wanted to go into actually working? Absolutely, yeah. There's a chap called Reg who we've just got into a role at a dressage yard recently. He's very passionate about dressage and has 
been able to find a, a lone horse too. Previously gone up to, to a very good level, got placed in a, a five-year-old Deer Horse Championships BD. So she's actually a very accomplished horse that he could go on and, and get competitive on. That's amazing. But really, really is. is the, the training's going to be included uh, at his new base too. So that takes the strain of uh, funding. We've had a work experience with uh, David Dole. That went and did work experience with him. So, yeah, they're all heading to the right directions. Definitely. And I think it, it is so important because, again, um, a bit like what I was saying, if you've been brought up around horses, everything that you learn, even things like taking a bridle apart and putting it back together or how to tack up and how to just all of the basic care. When you're in the equestrian world, you forget that you've learned that until you take someone up the yard that's not horsey. You forget how many skills there are there. And if these can be translated into jobs, which obviously... We know they can, and for many riders, the op- the best options are going and being a groom um, to learn uh, further and everything else. Yeah, to have kind of those opportunities to learn all of that information and how to, you know, animal care and looking after the horses as well is, uh, to me, just as important as the riding lessons themselves. It's very helpful. You have to be at a certain point before taking on those roles, though, of course. So that that's the space that Ebony is filling so well. Yeah, which is amazing. Give us one or two interesting things that we might not know about you. So I am manufacturing a board game at the moment for a horse riding. Yeah, just that keeping entertained in these times where coaches can't come out, do lessons with children. And I just, I feel for parents right now who perhaps don't have the answers in a session with a pony that isn't quite going correctly. My board game will help make a session fun. So are you using it while you're training? It will take two people and it's aimed at children to keep them moving through transitions and actually over the school to different methods. I'm just imagining Twister like with a spin thing and then it tells you, you know, right, 20 metre circle or something. <laughs> You're not far off now. So yeah, keep tuned and I'll, I'll get all the details to you hopefully next week. Yeah, it sounds great. I'm really excited to learn more about it. I'm available on, on social media as Lydia Hayward and I'll be making some announcements very soon. That's a really amazing, interesting thing. Creative as well. <laughs> Thank you. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> Definitely. Let's do your fun quickfire horse questions. This is something that I do as part of the podcast each time, as well as kind of a one or the other game. And also we'll do some things that you would recommend whilst in isolation. So if we do your quickfire horse questions first, what is your earliest horse related memory? Riding Fluffy Alfie at the riding school when I was 10. Oh, okay. Your funniest horse related memory. I was upset after Gap because I was in the Corinthian Cup and wasn't on track to come top five like I was hoping. However, walking around the shopping village a little bit grumpy with my mum and my phone starts ringing. And it was a shock to have the secretary on the line to tell me I'd won best regional rider and to be at the prize giving ceremony very shortly so Zara could give me a trophy. So yeah, that really raised a big grin up to my face. From grumpy to happy and zero to <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. And as soon as something like that happens, you feel a bit silly for being grumpy, don't you? Like, um, <laughs> I was in a mood, but I'm fine now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a reason to be happy. Okay, your best horse-related memory. Is that maybe one of them? 
would be up there, yeah. My first day at Ebony Horse Club was so magical because I have a, a sense of, of where I'd like to take my knowledge from the horse world. I want to use my knowledge to, to help these underrepresented riders. So my first day there to be welcomed, to meet the horses and see the riders, that was amazing yeah i can imagine okay what about your scariest horse related memory probably being stuck in a gorse bush with pony's legs either side of my chest just trying to get my mare out of the field my very first quite a scary moment yeah but she really protected us and kept each of her fat legs either side of our bodies whilst being kicked by another horse so she she was keeping us safe actually oh gosh yeah that must have been scary though you've reminded me of one of mine actually for some reason the yard that we were at used to have a pony field and then lots of the different horses fields but our pony wasn't allowed to go in the pony field so he was in with the horses which was really scary because obviously when you're little they're a lot bigger but I remember once uh, him just charging at us and we'd been taught the thing where you hold your hands up in like a claw position you know like don't run that was petrifying now I'd love that I mean you know charging up to the gate to come in is brilliant but when you're little because the others were all following (laughs) yeah it's a bit daunting yeah with a Heard of horses coming towards you when you're I don't know how old probably nine or something yeah and hands in the air isn't very tall for them so <laughs> yeah exactly okay your craziest ride craziest ride I thought a uh, very highly strung event I might come into my head at this point but no my Welsh first pony actually comes up in my head again for the reason of a kite buggy on the top of Cleve Common in Cheltenham so there Kite buggy went out of control and, and sent Bella galloping. But I thought that was great because I never found sick girls. Do that again. Yeah, it was a bit crazy. You'd ordered a kite when you got home. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. Okay, your best ride. I really enjoy Western Park. Great, challenging cross country course. And I remember my last ride around there very well. It's helping me through as isolation. So at the minute, I'd say that that's my best rider. What's your proudest horse-related achievement? Again, quite a difficult one because you've got obviously so many in different ways. I love producing the horses and breaking in. Lynn, I'm I'm very proud of the way he's going. Very proud that I gain the respect of, of such a big, well-bred animal. He's, he's just quality through and through. So yeah, do stay tuned to see his progress. I hope he continues to make me very proud. Definitely will be. Okay, um, what's your favourite event you've ridden at? That would have to be a Gatcombe, the Festival of British Eventing. Um, it's, it's something I qualified to be at and then won that very prestigious accolade. So, yeah, really, really special day. Uh, a prize giving right next to Oliver Townend and all the, all the top boys that did the advanced championship. So, yeah, it just, just felt like somewhere that yeah, I wanted to come back and that must have been pretty special okay have you ever had anything go really wrong before an event apart from a blowout on the lorry that's probably the worst must have been stressful yeah okay right let's do your one or another some of these are quite basic and easy some of them are a bit random and some of them are a bit fun (laughs) mare or gelding gelding for the general temperament tabletop or roll top tabletop coffin or water water Gate or wall? Gate. Guinea corner or steps? Steps. Tyres or log? Tyres. Badminton or Burley? Badminton. Hickstead Derby Bank or the Prisance Wall at Olympia? 
They'll be great. You can event with only one. Do you take your saddle or bridle? Bridle. I wouldn't mind giving that a shot. No stirrups jumping or no reins dressage? No stirrups jumping. That would be a very tricky test. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pick one of your horses to do some little um, horsey questions with. So, Five-year-old Baymer. Okay, so what annoys her the most? At the moment, it's the water troughs in her field. She will tip them over as soon as you touch them. <laughs> Just likes them empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, what is she most happiest doing? I'm eating haylage out of the wheelbarrow. She's a little piggy. Before she's been giving it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she'll pull you over to it. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest thing about her personality? She's a general menace. Yeah, she sounds it, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, up at traffic lights in the lorry. Grab a little piece of metal and ding it, just so you know that she's there waiting to get going again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the cutest thing about her personality? Um, the way she tilts her head and looks at you. Just, it's a real 80 degree tilt. And uh, yeah, it's it's lovely until she does it under saddle and you remember why you, yeah, you don't want it in, in, in her, on the ground or under saddle. Yeah, she loves her head tilt. <laughs> okay um and what's the thing you love the most about her i love her jump she uh sends, sends me to, to orbit probably needs to cool that down a bit but at the minute we've got some time to practice <laughs> <laughs> so she loves her jumping oh she does yeah and if she's scared of some something filler related she'll she'll just charge she'll take you she takes you to things that she's scared of which is a yeah, nice quality to have yeah, definitely. Okay, right. Let's move on to your quickfire isolation quiz. So a bit different away from the horses. This is just about how you're coping at home. So what are you listening to or what do you recommend anyone to listen to? Caroline Moore's young, young horse videos with horse and country. Fantastic exercises. And... My next one is what to watch. Have you have you been watching anything on like Netflix or anything? I am re-watching Three Day Events. Badminton have been doing little posts, um, which I've been really enjo enjoying just on social media. There's lots to watch. The only thing is, is that I'm still catching up with all my work. And um, although I can listen, I'm too distracted. If I put like a venti on in the background, you, you don't get any work done. You have you can't not look at the screen. I can't just listen to the commentating. I have to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, at the moment, I've got to actually avoid watching stuff. What about read? So I've uh, a great exercise book that I got for Christmas with pole work exercises in it. Do you know the name of it in case anyone's interested? I think it was 101 pole work. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay, eat. Lots of biscuits. Lots of chocolate shortbread biscuits. Barbecues in the garden. And yes. Definitely. Okay, play. Obviously, that one's going to be your game, isn't it? Yeah. Make. Is there anything you're like making in the kitchen or um, anything really? Venison roast was the other day. Nice. Actually, I've seen some great things on social media with people making their own cross-country jumps as well. Oh, yeah, so have I. Yeah, or some people getting other halves to make it. I, I sent a picture to my boyfriend earlier today saying this will be when we live together. <laughs> this will be what you're doing for me. <laughs> but some people have really, you know, you can get so creative and, and uh, make some really cool stuff. Yeah, I've seen that some of that are for sale. Definitely. Or otherwise, maybe repainting old show jumps and poles and things um, that could do with a spruce up. <laughs>
Tail pulling, mane pulling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been on the uh, on the Instagram, so there's like a tap to tidy button and I've been getting people to send in their manes and tails and it's so satisfying because you just tap the picture and then it goes on to the, uh, the tidied one and it's just the most satisfying thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's everything. So thank you so much, Lydia, for um, being on as a guest and taking time out your day to talk to us. Your stories are so interesting and I think lots of people will be excited to follow your journey. Thanks so much, Danielle, and I'm really excited to follow DVR's journey as well. So here's to the future. Yeah, and hopefully, um, hopefully one day soon I'll see you out competing. For sure. That's definitely one of my aims now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, love to have you along.